Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Welcome to a wonderful opportunity to get to meet another leader in our world. I get to introduce you to my new friend, Annie Purdue Olson, whom I met through a mutual friend, Sue Donaldson. And it's really exciting, Annie, to have you here as a guest on Let Go Lean In podcast. I am so grateful to be here and grateful for Sue introducing us. This has been awesome. Yeah. She's a real connector. And if uh, all of you listening haven't met her yet, then I'll make sure that her uh, information is in the show notes too, because if you don't know her, you need to know her. She's got Mm -hmm. a lot of good encouragement and enthusiasm for the rest of us. But in the meantime, I would love to share Annie's bio so that you as a listener can get to know her. And then in our conversation, and you'll get to know her better. So Annie is the founder of Leading Better Together, working with leaders to navigate the complexities in relationships and cultivate healthy teams through strategic conversations. She is also host of Lead Your Leaders, a podcast to get the team you've always wanted, where she and her guests answer questions submitted by leaders and listeners. She leverages over 20 years of ministry and nonprofit experience as she guides leaders through the people challenges that sidetrack ministry. She holds a Master of Arts in Human Resources and Change Leadership, is a certified leadership coach and certified Myers-Briggs type indicator practitioner. Lots of wonderful experiences in your toolkit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's been built over time for sure. Oh, yes. That's that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? We we don't just hit the ground running with everything in place. Nope, we sure don't. (laughs) That's not that's not being authentic. We need to be learning and stuff. Speaking of learning, I I know that, you know, I sent you a list of questions, but I love to kind of get some backstory into how you got where you are today, not specifically what you're doing this moment, but kind of the hmm, like when do you even imagine an early or remember rather an early opportunity of leadership in your own life? And yeah. when was that? You know, it's interesting because I, um, even when I was younger, I think I always had this like desire to make a difference mm. and lead others in making a difference. Like even back in my teenage years, and I went to school to do cross-cultural ministries. I thought I would be a missionary one day. That was kind yeah. of some of my background and, and ended up, you know, life has a way of taking us on trajectories that are quite different than all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I ended up, you know, managing a mental health clinic. And then I was on a leadership team for um, a mega church. And in all of those spaces, I just really found a desire to lead and manage others just coming mm -hmm. naturally. And it just was easy for me to do. Um, and I also realized that in mental health and in ministry are two spaces where leaders come in, not really knowing how to manage people really well, mm -hmm. it just, you know, they, they're yeah. theologians or maybe they're, you know, practitioners and psychology. And so they don't always have a, a knack for what it takes to actually help people go walk through change or yeah. navigate performance conversations, or how do you communicate differently at work? And what does that mm -hmm. look like? And so all these questions start emerging as they try to lead and boy, they just wish they could put their nose back in that theology book <laughs> instead of dealing with the people problems that's that right. surface. Can somebody else take care of that. <laughs> well, and that's what happened to me in a lot of my roles actually is, is that they would send people to me that were having problems. Ah. Like I'm having difficulty with this person. Will you fix it? Oh, <laughs> and yes. Yeah. And I'd coach them. So oh. I was coaching before I was coaching. Yeah. Because people would just send that people to me, leaders in the organization would send people to me and I'd just have start having conversations with them and learn so much, learn so much about leadership, learn so much about them, learn so much about follower needs, something we don't talk about very often in oh, leadership. Right. So it's just, I mean, so I feel like I've always, I've been a lifelong learner and student of leadership. I love that. I love that. And just that wonderful phrase, lifelong learner is, is really the heart of what I'm all about, which is transformational leadership, because yes. you're a learner yourself, then you are naturally going to give lead offer opportunities to the people that are following you because that's just how you're wired. So you were coaching before you were a coach because that's a part of how you're wired. Speaking of which, being a, a Myers-Briggs type indicator yes. uh, practitioner, what is your MBTI? I can't remember if we chatted about that before. I don't think we chatted about that. And you're Enneagram certified too, right? I so. am. Yes. So we have two of my favorite assessments right here uh, to talk about. Uh, I'm a, my Myers-Briggs type is ENFJ. Oh, that's me. <laughs> my Enneagram type, you ready for this? My Enneagram is type three. Okay. All right. I love that. The, the achiever. Uh-huh. And, and that is, that is a helpful Enneagram space as a leader. It is. I've met a few other Enneagram three type leaders in my circles for sure. <laughs> it can also be a really challenging one as be. is your MBTI. Mm -hmm. because of the fact that you're so empathetic and, and looking at other people, but neglecting self yes. in the way that you lead and, oh boy, yep. we can play in this area for a long time. Gosh, <laughs> so much, yeah. so much. So, and then I have yeah. like in Clifton strengths language, I have uh, activator, a strategic communication learner and input as my oh, top five, okay. but the activator paired with that Enneagram type three with that ENFJ developer yeah. teacher kind yeah. of personality is that I'm like, I'm, I am definitely have to work hard on not 
getting myself going too far, too fast Mm -hmm. into the future and learning how to slow down and pace myself and remember that, I mean, I can get ahead of people pretty quick if I'm not careful. I was just thinking that, that you could lead past people. I can. That's a great way to phrase it. I can lead past people. And, and as followers, you mentioned earlier about followership and what people need, knowing that is a tendency that you have. And yet also knowing that people need to be cultivated, honestly, in, in what they're doing and the way they approach things you do have to be very intentional to pace yourself in a way that you don't lead past them. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I can light a fire in a group and really get them going too. I mean, it's like the same side it's like, and, and I, as a, as a student of assessments, I'm sure you realize is that those things, which are our greatest gifts from God, the things that he's given us to lead well, to live well, to relate well to others. um, Those things can also be our greatest challenges. I often will talk about, we have to dial up our personality sometimes when we're not showing up in the space Mm -hmm. we need to. And then sometimes we have to dial it back just a little bit Yes, and uh, recognize that the strengths that I bring to this situation might be okay if they're just a little muted right now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. To really be aware that Mm -hmm. that self-awareness that, that has often gotten a bad rap that you think that, you know, oh, that's selfish. You're paying attention to yourself. You should be thinking of others. That is true, but to know when to dial up and when to dial back. I love that language because you're not changing yourself. Right. A lot of times people think that they have to change who they are to be in a particular situation when actually, when you learn yourself, you know, the times that you need to make those adjustments and to just have that awareness is, is really powerful. Yeah. I I think it's like leadership presence. Like, how do you want to show up? How do you want people to experience you? And you have to have self-awareness if you want to be intentional about how you want to show up in any space, leadership space, life space, church space, whatever relationship you're in, how you want to show up there authentically. Well, you have to know who you are in order to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Boy. And this is, you know, the question for me is how do we get people to come awake to that need? Yeah. Because I, I'm sure in the years of, of leading and working with teams and things, you've seen people who are just going through the motions. And, and that, that just makes my heart sad because there's so much in life to learn and to love. And I, my uh, strength finders, so here's <laughs> this empathy, relator, learner, activator, and restorative. Oh, wow. So my, my whole fist of strengths is all about understanding where people are at, learning about them and learning about what their needs are, helping them take action to be fully who they're intended to be, who God has created them to be. And this is, if I show up like that, I have to also recognize there are people that aren't ready for that. And they'll right. feel like a tidal wave has just hit them because my, my uh, Enneagram is seven wing eight. Okay. So lots of enthusiasm and lots of <laughs> let's get to work. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, that can be a little overwhelming. So yes, I have, I have had to learn to adjust the dial. <laughs> you, my, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That a dial adjustment thing is such a good thing. <laughs> it, it's a great metaphor. I love it. So with this understanding of, of who you are and how you show up, um, just to kind of help our listeners get, get some perspective on their own life too. At, at what point in your journey and working with people, did you come to this realization that this is what you wanted to be doing and you've made this shift and now you're coaching and, and working with teams and things? Hmm. That's such a good question because I feel like journeys in life are a little bit bumpy. Like they don't go in the trajectory that you planned them to go. Um, And so I feel like I look at, like, if you looked at my resume, it would look so linear and lovely. It would look like, you know, on paper, she was managing mental health clinics. And then she was a lead pastor on staff. And then she worked for a consulting group and now she owns her own business. It sounds lovely, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Except in the midst. It sounds very linear, like you said. Exactly. And I can present myself like that, but that's not the reality of that experience. The reality of that experience is that I had hoped I would become a missionary and, life didn't work out that way. There were some challenges in my own life that caused me to move into a different direction. Some relationships that didn't go quite the way that they were supposed to go. Um, some conflicts in leadership and spaces where they, that was bumpy in that process. And then I had my own personal journey of, you know, when I was, um, 32, my husband had passed away from cancer and I became a widow with, and a single mom to two kids. Um, because we'd battled cancer for a year and a half and you just don't expect those kinds of things to happen. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we don't expect that kind of thing at such a young age. I, I I don't know what, what we expect, but yeah. Yeah. We don't expect to walk those. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in that space and while I was there, what was so beautiful about that space, and maybe this is where, you know, how do I learn or know? how did I figure out that I wanted to do this stuff? Mm -hmm. Even after going through some bumpy things, some things that weren't healthy when it comes to relationships, there was dysfunctional, hurtful things that happened. Mm -hmm. When I was going through one of the hardest things that anyone ever has to go through the loss of a spouse. um, I was working on, I was on the leadership team of that, at that church at the time. And they were amazing. They were like a community of healers. They were a community. I call them my community of healers because they wrapped their arms around me. And it just reminds me of the four friends who took that lame man on the mat and they went up to the roof and they tore the roof off to get that lame man to Jesus. Um, And I felt like that's what I had in that space. I had the men's ministry come to my house and get the squirrels out of my shed because I couldn't do it you know, and meals were brought to my house. And we had a nurse that was, um, going to our church and there was at at the, towards the end, we were doing, uh, IV drips every six hours and I'd been taught how to do it. Yeah. It meant that I couldn't sleep at night and I had some kids too. And so we had twice on two occasions, we had nurses that came in and did the IV drips in the evening so I could get a full night's sleep. If that isn't tearing the roof off so that somebody can, experience the, what Jesus looks like with skin on. I don't know what is. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's like what 
leadership should look like. It's what relationships in the church should look like. We should look different. Like as believers, as followers of Christ, the way that we do love should look different. And so that was just an example of seeing that love in action. My, I mean, I turned in my resignation to the board of trustees at one point because Kevin went through a stem cell transplant and there was just, I was not, I was not working effectively. I was not doing my job. I knew I wasn't doing my job. There was no way I could do my job. I turned my letter of resignation into the trustees saying, I'm sorry, I just can't do my job. And they tore it up, you know? And so it's just like, they were a community that wrapped themselves around me and showed love to me in a really incredible way. They just showed what church should be and could be, and they are not a perfect church. So you go look it up. You can go look on my resume and find out what the church is. And you're going to say what, because they're not perfect either. I'm not perfect either. People are involved in church yep. <laughs> and people are perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, but what a beautiful thing to have all the love tangibly demonstrated to you at a time when you were in deep need and they recognized it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. See that empathy and relater. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think that's why I went into it. I just, you know, but so a lot of people will tell, like, look at my story. So I'm going into a lot of personal stuff here with you. I hope that's okay. A hundred percent, because okay. this is what is true of life. Yeah. There, it's bumpy. There yeah. are things that sideline us for a season. There, there are ways that, you know, we need to be lifted up and yeah. carried to Jesus. And, and this is all part and parcel of being yeah. human. So I'm glad that you're willing <laughs> to share because I think it's valuable for, yeah. for people to hear. It is. It is really. So my story is gets even stranger because um <laughs> no, like, so this is like this is my real resume. You're getting my real resume. Mm. We did the old the we did the 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 fake resume before. Yeah, yeah, the paper, <laughs> the paper stuff. The yeah. paper stuff. So three years after Kevin passed away, I was remarried. And my husband's mm. name is Bernard. He's amazing. He's Lovely. also my husband's younger brother. So okay. <laughs> yep. So I married my kid's uncle is another way you could look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Bernard is a few years old, older than me and he was single all of his life until he married me. And so he, he got married and had two kids like overnight, which was kind of a crazy thing. So we decided that we wouldn't have any more children. Cause that's a big change for a single person to go through yeah. is to become yeah. a family of four overnight. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, so we, uh, that's what, that's actually when I went back for my master's degree, I was like, I'm going to go after my career. Everything is about career. And I was, and then I, you know, I started doing consulting and then I launched my own business. And a few months after I launched my own business, I found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello. Everything changed in that moment yeah. again, you know, and it was like, what do you do at that? juncture. I mean, I was 42 years old then when Briella was born, my 10 year old now she's 10 now, but I was 42 and a mom, I had a 15 year old and a 21 year old at the time I was Mm -hmm. looking at empty nesting, launching my career and everything kind of shattered in that moment in, and it was a blessing in every way. The last 10 years have been a blessing in every way. (laughs) but they've also been a learning experience. Mm, And one of the decisions that I made when I was, when I found out that I was pregnant with Briella is that I decided to stay home 
when I had been a career mom all my life. So I worked full-time. I mean, and as a single mom for three years, of course I worked full-time. I was the breadwinner in the family too, you know? So then I, here I am in this space where I all of a sudden became a stay-at-home mom. See, when I made that decision, it sounded like such a lovely idea to be a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Simplify your life. And, you know, you're there to to be with your daughter as she's going through all her milestones. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Only it wasn't easy. Only it wasn't, it didn't work out the way that I had envisioned it in my optimistic ENFJ kind of a mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I can, I can well imagine that. Yes. Uh, I think that that was one of the biggest, I would say that is the biggest shift in my thinking, Mm -hmm. uh, and in my life was that whole first year after Briella was born. It was very difficult and traumatic to be a widow at age 32, but somehow I knew how to handle that space. I don't know if it is difficulties I'd been through in my life or losses or grief that I'd gone through before that maybe weren't as big as that. But when I hit that grief, I somehow knew how to navigate that one. Mm -hmm. When I was a stay at home mom for the first time in 40 years, I did not know how to navigate that space for the first year. And so when you talk about self-awareness, we were talking earlier about like, how do you help someone get their self-awareness or how to get that self-awareness? Right. I wonder if it wasn't for Briella being born in my life in that first year of learning how to be a stay-at-home mom, if I would have ever had enough self-awareness to understand Mm. how connected my identity was with what I do. Ah, yeah. How much that needed to be separated. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that there is sometimes some little shift that takes place and you recognize, oh, my identity isn't all about production. Right. Can you see how important that message would be for an Enneagram three? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The yeah. threes that I know that have, or are navigating huge life changes are all struggling with this identity in achieving. Yes. And trying to yeah. figure out how to, yes, that's something that is important. However, in this season, it's going to look differently and, and that's hard. It's a big shift. So it was only a year that it took you to, to navigate that. that, That's that's a good achievement. If it was was pretty good. Um, you know, it's so interesting because Briella was a preemie. So, uh, the pregnancy did not actually go well. So she was born a month early and she was four pounds, five ounces and barely made it almost was a little stillborn girl. So, um, that's why we named her Briella. Briella uh, means uh, God is my strength. And, uh, she fits that name, that girl, like, was one tough fighter from the day she was born. And still today, she's, uh, she's just, a she's very, she has this like strength of soul. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like deeper than it's not physical strength, but she's just got this strength of soul. I, she's got mm-hmm. persistence and, uh, she just the stick to itiveness. She's just, she fits that name so well. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But she, it was the, the whole first year was really hard learning how to the first three months she, it was took her three months to get the birth weight, like what a, to get into like newborn clothes. It took her like almost three months to get into those newborn clothes. She was such a teeny tiny little gal. How, how much of her first three months was in a NICU? 
too. You know what? This is why she was so strong. She was out of NICU in four days. Wow. So they won't let babies go home from the hospital. At least this is what I was told unless they're four pounds, five ounces. Well, she was four pounds, five ounces when she was born. So once a baby is born, they lose weight. So she had to get back up to 4.5 ounces and be able to breathe on her own and have her blood sugars where they needed to be before they would let her go home. Right. She reached all of those milestones within four days and they let her come home. Now we were back in the doctor's office every single day, probably for the first week. So, uh, she was, you know, she, she had a lot of good attentive care right off the bat, but yeah, she was with, she was out in four days. That's why she's a Briella. Yeah. That's (laughs) so great. So well-named. I love that. So uh, navigating an, an early baby and late in life, and staying home that that was a lot all at once it was a lot all at once i cried a lot and i mean i went through a lot of i was going through a lot of grief at the time anyway just because the the birth was actually quite traumatic for me so i was experiencing a lot of grief afraid that i'd lost her um all of those kinds of things that i had to get through so you're dealing with grief you're dealing with huge transitions um and i'm dealing with essentially an identity crisis yeah Um, and so all of that in that first year, I, I remember going through a lot of really hard things. I am so grateful. Again, it goes back to the same thing. I learned that after when Kevin was sick and when he was going through what he went through, our community is what mattered. Mm -hmm. And it was in those, that first year, I had some really close friends who just would come over and, and they would let me cry with them. Um, I had a couple of friends who would take Briella for me that were very competent at dealing with all the preemie needs so that I could have a couple of extra hours of sleep. My mom came up and stayed with me for two weeks to give me a little bit of help. And so I had all these people that again, surrounded me, um, to help care for me during that time. But I think I just had to go through, I had to experience the isolation and not jump out of it. I had Mm. to experience the the difficulty of feeling like I had no meaning or I, I didn't have a purpose because feeding babies and changing diapers didn't feel like a purpose to me. And it is very much a purpose, yes. but at that season and in that space, it didn't feel that way to me. And I had to just feel it mm-hmm. and it wasn't easy to just yeah. feel it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really like feeling negative feelings. I don't know that many people do, but I definitely don't. Um, and as an ENFJ, I'm kind of an optimist an idealist. And, uh, so, and so what I had hoped for that season in my life to be, it wasn't. And so I had to deal with that as well. And I think I had to walk through that first year of just really living in kind of the, the sadness of that and being okay with mm-hmm. that space. Mm-hmm. That was a gift that you gave yourself to be, to practice being with those hard feelings. Yep. It you're right. Not many people run toward that. And yet (laughs) most of us at one time or another experience some type of loss degrees of loss. Comparative suffering is not what we're talking about here. You know, I, I could tell you birth stories, yada, yada. That's not the point. The, the real work the opportunity, the invitation that we're given that God brings, allows circumstances in our lives. And, and we have the free will to choose how to handle it. 
And the fact that you gave yourself permission to be in those hard feelings raised your awareness about mm -hmm. yourself. Yes. In a way that has changed you to be prepared and better for the season that you're in now. I don't I, think I could be doing what I'm doing right now if it wouldn't have been for that season, at least not as well, if uh -huh. well is the right word. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like coming out of that season with Briella, there was, I think the season taught me something itself. And then I think as I was moving into that space where Briella was becoming more independent, when she was around a year, year and a half old, it was like, I was, I was ready to ask the question, Lord, what do you, what do you want for me right now? Yeah. Like, what is the space that I'm supposed to be in right now? Um, how, how am I supposed to add meaning to the world? Cause that is an important thing to me. And so yeah. it's not wrong to want to do that. And I just felt like as I was journaling one time and just writing and praying, I felt like the Lord just said to me, be the best friend that you can be. That is your calling is to be the very best friend that you can be. Wow. That's it's not beautiful. a career. That, and yet it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that is so wide, so broad, and yet very deep. Yeah. Too. Not narrow and specific to, you know, this point in time. This is an invitation for the remainder of your days. Yes. I love that word invitation. You used, you've used that a couple of times. And I just, I think that that's really an important way to frame it mm. in terms yeah. of it was an invitation. I think that the, the Lord gave to me. So I, I, I stepped right into it. I was like, you invited me. Okay. I'm here. I'm showing Yay. up for this. Yay. And, uh, I had a membership at the YMCA and they were giving out free guest passes. So I started gathering up as many guest passes as I possibly could. Oh. Um, and then I was part of a mom's group. So I started inviting all these moms to come with me and use my guest pass at the Y they got two hours of free childcare and we could walk and talk for two hours. Like at one point, I <laughs> think amazing. I had, I know at one point, I think I had over th well over 30 guest passes on my account because every time they filled out a survey and say, Hey, you get a survey, you can get four more guest passes. I'd fill out a survey, and get four more guest passes. And it was in that season of my life that I was able to bless a ton of moms that with two hours of free childcare and chit chat. And wow, what, what mom of young children doesn't need two hours of free childcare and some chit chat, right. right? That's right. And, and to be invited mm -hmm. to do that. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's one thing to, yeah, I should do something about that, but to get outside of our routine and stuff. But when somebody says, Hey, I have this for you, come on. Yeah. It changes the whole thing. So what yeah. a gift, what a great way to be a good friend. Yes. Well, and it's still, even now that I relaunched my business and I'm kind of been back into it now for almost four years. Um, I think one of the things that is true for me too, is, is that I can still be the best friend that I can be to my clients. Now it doesn't look the same as my personal friend, sure. but some of the, th the values that are important to me and the way that I react and interact with my clients is, is that I want to be responsive. I want them to know that they matter. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to be there and present for them when they need me. Like my church was there for me when Kevin was sick and like my friends were there for me when I was in that space after Briella died and it was hard and it was sad. I want to be there in the sa that same way for my clients. So it starts to characterize even the way that I serve my clients when the pandemic hit in March of 2020. 
and uh, things were going crazy for a lot of my clients. Most of my clients are in nonprofit spaces or small businesses. And so you've got leaders in churches and nonprofits who like their world got turned upside down virtually overnight. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I said, okay, so for the next two months, you have unlimited coaching sessions, no additional cost to all of my monthly subscribers. So anybody that was already a monthly coaching client, I just said, call me anytime you need me. Um, I'm available. And I just made myself completely available to them. And that's like, to me, that's what friendship looks like. It's a business Mm. friendship, but it's still a friendship. It's responsive. It's caring. It's demonstrating care. It's understanding that they're what their situation is, and then being able to respond in a way that demonstrates friendship. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and it's the way I parent. So it's like change the way I parent. It's how I do my relationships with my kids. Well, of course I discipline my kids too, but I also demonstrate qualities of friendship to my kids. So I, I I mean, I have, I I have a 25 year old son who will call me up on the phone and say, mom, when can you go to lunch with me this week? Um, because it's just part of a rhythm that we have in our relationship is, is that we do lunch. We do friendship too. We're not just mother and son, we do friendship. Oh, I love that. I love that. The intentionality about making yourself available to your clients as human to human, walking with them through a really tough season, that is being the best friend that you can be. I think so. I think that's, that's a beautiful way to be present using your words, but, but also encouraging to bear witness to the challenges that they were experiencing and being able to, you know, offer Mm -hmm. some, some wisdom and experience at the same time that that must've been priceless to your clients. Yeah. Well, and it definitely, it definitely deepened the relationship for sure. I journeyed through a hard thing with them. And when you journey through a hard thing with someone, it knits you together in a different way. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of your earlier recounting of the, the men who came and cleared out the squirrels because you couldn't, I mean, the practical ways that we can be with others to demonstrate presence and that, that gift of, of listening and encouragement. It's, it's, it's not hard work. Like, you know, digging a ditch is hard work, but it is challenging because, because it takes time and it takes intention, which means there's something that you are not doing for yourself, for your people, because you're making this choice and learning how to navigate that well is, you know, as a three is a challenge because it's, you know, great to have the to-do list, (laughs) but to make space for your own care and your soul filling and things like that. How did you learn? This is, you know, on the fly kind of question. How did you learn to navigate that for yourself? You know, the the pairing of self-awareness plus leading others and parenting and being a wife, you know, that those are a lot of hats. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how am I learning that? I like that. I like that. Yes. Reframe that question. It's present tense. (laughs) I think I I will always be learning that I'm not super awesome at like time management habits, you know, and like having kind of, because I, because of that activator, because of Mm -hmm. kind of the ENFJ, because of people's needs being definitely something that triggers like my to-do list. Um, 
I think I'm learning that I, the ebbs and flows of my life are going to be more like, it's going to be rather than structure to my life, it's going to be more like waves, there's seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having practical places where I make sure that I'm giving attention to my soul is super mm. important. Mm. And I need people in my life that are going to help me do that. I can't do that without other people. Community is a theme here. Haven't you noticed that? I, I have. <laughs> and it's a wonderful theme. Yes. Keep, keep talking about it, please. Yes. yes. I have about six, uh, I, I, for the last six years, I've been in a Bible study with about five, with five ladies and the, I, they are ladies over time that we've developed the kind of relationship where they can call me out on stuff. And I think that you need sometimes those relationships where they can call you out. Now, my husband also is great at doing that. So he will do that for me too. He'll call me out if I'm getting too busy, um, or that achiever is kicked in too high and I'm not Mm -hmm. taking care of my soul care. Um, my emotions and my body are also really great, uh, cues that I haven't been doing a really great job. If I get emotional with when little things become bigger than they Mm, should be, mm -hmm. that's usually a good sign that I haven't been doing soul care. If I start having shoulder aches or headaches, that's a good physical sign that I haven't been doing soul care. So I've started paying attention to the symptoms and the noticings in my life that say that I've reached that wall that says, I need to, I need to slow down. I need to give inward time. I need to change my rhythm just a little bit. Mm -hmm. That works better for me than having a structured thing that I try and keep. Because if it's like, if I, and I do, I do have quiet time every morning. I mean, I have to start my day with some quiet space when I don't do that. I do have a little bit more trouble quicker. (laughs) Mm, Right. So there's some like normal rhythms, but I think it's starting to just being aware of what are the cues that say that I'm about to go over the cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a road sign? What else is happening here? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's so powerful, Annie. And, and the fact that you told us in narrative format, your story, the things that I try to help people understand is that we have these intelligences that God has wired into us, our head, our emotions, our body, there are signals, there are cues. Do we pay attention Uh to to the wisdom that we have access to? and, And you shared it in such a beautiful way. It, to me, it harkens back to the invitation that God gave you to be the best friend you can. Yeah. And, and it's, broad and deep in yep. the same way the the rhythms that you are establishing and paying attention to the cues that you're given when when you're dialed up into your personality too much and you know just people who can speak into your life yeah. community but also the community with holy spirit yes to, to pay attention to the wisdom mm-hmm. and reminders mm-hmm. wow that's yeah. so powerful. I'm so glad you shared that truly. Yes. Yeah. You know, I can say all those words, but here's a real life person who's practicing these things who's and is still learning. Yeah. <laughs> still learning. That's well, and that's the thing is, is that I can add more and more to the list of, of cues or road signs. I like that you call them wisdom. Like we have these intelligences mm-hmm. that offer to us wisdom. We have yeah. our emotions, we have yeah. our body, we have the spiritual connection. I think those wisdoms I want to, I want to pay attention. I want to be a person who pays attention 
to those mm-hmm. wisdoms and adds to that wisdom in my life and notices what my body, my mind, my spirit is telling me. Yeah, that's so good. And, and that's a choice, an intentional choice to practice that. Yeah. And, and you could just as intentionally choose to uh, develop the skills that it takes to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. You can be intentional about a lot of things, but to learn yourself so that you can lead yourself well and then lead your people mm-hmm. invitationally, back to that word, uh, is, is so powerful and, and truly, I believe we're touching on what God is doing in the body, is yeah. raising up his daughters to a yeah. place of, of offering their authentic voice and perspectives and the way that they see and the way that we see and, and interact with one another. And this self-awareness is, is a big key to the freedom that, you know, abundant living really is that living water that we're supposed to then, you know, share in, in a very ready way, which you're doing. And, and it just, it kind of so beautifully ties into this whole idea of letting go of things that limit you and leaning in toward the way that Jesus has wired you so that you can work with and walk with him through your days. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of a, of a recent experience where you were really cognizant that, okay, that was then, this is now, mm-hmm. and I'm making this choice, you know, as a mindset or a habit, a, you know, whatever comes to mind. Um, I think my, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure this is right. What right of the fit with your question, but this is a really recent mindset shift. So I'll go there and you can yeah. pull it out. But yeah. I, I had a really busy season in the month of June, um, probably the busiest I've ever been in my business and in my life, uh, with my family, I had some extended family things all over the place. I was doing so many things. And I think at times I feel guilty when I get too busy mm. and, uh, part of my shift and just learning to not to dial back that achiever when I need to. Um, sometimes that dialing back comes with a little bit of a dose of guilt. Like I shouldn't be doing these things or I shouldn't be so busy, or maybe I said yes to too much or I'm being pulled in too many different directions. I went for a weekend away with some girlfriends and we were having some quiet time and I was on my own in the cabin. And I just was like, uh, mourning a little bit with Jesus that I had been so busy and that I felt really bad. And as I was in that space of prayer, I just felt like the Holy spirit said to me, you have been doing exactly what you have supposed to, what you were supposed to be doing in this last month. I had appointments for you. You were supposed to be busy. This was your season to be giving in spaces where I've asked you to give. Mm -hmm. And now I'm inviting you into a space of receiving. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this like resonating with the story of like the Mary and the Martha. And I think I've always heard it preached that Mary was the one who made the right choice. And Martha was the one who made the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the point of the story. Mm -hmm. I think that the point of the story is, is that there are Marys and there are Marthas. And actually we are both Mary and Martha. And we have moments when we need to be in the kitchen doing the things where we're giving to others. And I just felt like this Holy Spirit blessing on my my Martha moment that I had been busy. And he just showed me the different appointments they had for me. If I hadn't been there, 
in that moment, doing what he asked me to do, something wouldn't have shifted. Transformation wouldn't have happened, but because Mm -hmm. I was obedient and I was in the space where I needed to be doing my Martha moment at that time, God was able to use that space and transformation happened as a result of it. But now I was sitting in this space where he was calling me into my Mary moment and where I was sitting at his feet and receiving, because we can't, we have to have both those moments of giving and those moments of receiving. And so I think we have both Mary and Martha moments in our life. And so it was my mindset shift was get rid of the guilt Uh, when you're in achieving and instead engage a discernment of, is this a Mary moment or is this a Martha moment and ask Jesus what he's inviting me into in that moment. Mm, mm, Boy, that's good. That's a definite letting go and leaning in. Yes. As, as a beautiful example and and both things can be true. Yes. Not dualistic thinking, either this or this. It's like, no, we are, we are both of those characters at different moments and paying attention to, is this a Martha or a Mary time Mm -hmm. and not have that guilt. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you and I both work with people in in ways that help them develop. Do you work with a coach yourself? I do. I will always have a coach. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, I've had different coaches in different seasons of my life, depending on kind of what my goals are, but I think it's always important for me to have a coach. Uh, Coaches need to be coached. Bottom line, we're giving a ton out as coaches. And so we need the, we need the support, the encouragement, the guidance, the, uh, of, of a coach in our own lives. Yeah, that's so good. And, and honestly, you know, I, I sent you our questions, you know, for the podcast and stuff, and we have talked about all of them, not in the way directly, yeah. but the fact that, you know, I could, I could ask you, can you think of a moment when you felt the invitation of Jesus to, to lean in? <laughs> yeah. You just shared it, you know? So, <laughs> so I, I am so grateful that, that you have been so willing to, you know, pull back the curtain. This is, this is Annie's life, but also this is the way that God works in a variety of lives. And whether we're looking back at scripture and reading the stories that are there for our good, or we're hearing from another Christ follower, this is what God is doing now, or looking back, this is what he was doing then. And I see where I'm at now because of this. That's why community, the big yes. word, is so essential. And yeah. and sometimes it's a community of a team that mm-hmm. is developing an organization. Right. Sometimes it's also a community of fellow believers that are gathering around the word. Sometimes it's walking with people and just having those organic conversations. So there is not one size fits all. Absolutely. And, And I'm so grateful that you have shown us through stories of your life that that is true, that you can let go of what you think it's supposed to be like. Yep. <laughs> and lean in, in a direction that you may not know. And yet we can trust yeah. the one who knows us best. Yeah. And it's all about that invitation, that invitation to lean in that you were talking about. That's yeah. what's beautiful. I love yeah. that word. I might have to use it more often. 
I I have learned that by reading and listening to lots of contemplatives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is a different posture. Mm-hmm. And I I have appreciated it as well. So I'm glad you're noticing it too. Yeah. And Annie, I'm going to put in the show notes all the ways that people can connect with you That's and the socials and your website and all of those things and your podcast. And yes. just to be able to keep practicing leaning in toward Jesus and learning to lead yourself well so that you can lead others well. It's yes. just, it's a beautiful process, isn't it? The journey it that has its bumps and curves and everything else. And yet we just keep being here and offering what our little loaves and fish. Yep. (laughs) And then seeing what Jesus can do with it. I love it. Yes, exactly. Well, again, thanks for being here. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening in and you'll get to see all the ways to connect with Annie on letgoleaninpodcast.com. Thanks. Thank you for choosing to share your time with me today. If you found value in what you heard today, please take a moment to share this episode with a woman you know who is on her own journey of transformation. We all need encouragement along the way. If I can be of any help in connecting you to resources, or if you have other questions about your journey of transformation, please reach out. My email address is lisa at lisalewiscoaching.com. Lewis is spelled L-E-W-I-S. We can also keep in touch through my monthly newsletter, which is about this podcast and other things that I am doing, other creative projects and ways that I want to encourage you, my listener. You can sign up for that monthly newsletter at letgoleaninpodcast.com. Thank you again for taking the time to listen and for sharing it with those you know who will benefit from it. See you next time.